Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Uh, the Neville Lake family and Marco Muzo. It was in 2014, sorry, 2015. Uh, Muzo was put behind bars for uh, the killing of uh, three children and the grandmother of the Neville Lake family uh, in a horrific car crash uh, driving his Jeep Cherokee. Uh, this is back September 27, 2015. Blew a stop sign and rammed into the minivan carrying members of uh, the Neville Lake family. Four people killed, three under the age of nine, and badly injuring uh, two elderly women. Uh, he was sentenced to 10 years in jail. If he serves two-thirds of his sentence, he'll be out in 2022. If he goes all the way to the end, it would be 2025. Uh, but now, talking about parole. Uh, headline in YorkRegion.com, Mini Putt and Conjugal Visits, Marco Muso's Life Behind Bars at a Muskoka Prison. To talk more about all of this, Joe Wambach is with us, chairperson to a chairperson of the Canadian Crime Victim Foundation and is on the line now. Joe, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate the time you're going to give me. Uh, Canadian Crime Victim Foundation. Tell us what that is. Canadian Crime Victim Foundation was formed 20 years ago in 1999 when my then 15-year-old son, Jonathan, was assaulted and kicked in the head. He was uh, sent two weeks on life support, three months fully comatose, and another seven months in the hospital paralyzed. Uh, His attackers were all young offenders, and at that time, I was like any other Canadian father. I knew very little about the law, about the justice system, and about what happens to victims. We all believed at that time that if we were victimized, that there would be an agency there, there would be somebody there, the government, provincial, municipal, federal, that would assist you and help you. Uh, what we found out was exactly the opposite. There was nobody. And today, 20 years later, there still is nobody. When you become a victim of crime, violent crime in this country, you are virtually on a, on a, on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean without a paddle. Uh, how is your son now? Johnny is not doing very well. It's, he, he suffered an extreme uh, brain injury, and uh, he still suffers to this day. Uh, he will never be the same young man he was, mm. uh, and of course, our family will never be the same. That must be heartbreaking. Uh, and the those responsible are now out living a normal life. Where what, what happened to them? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to laugh. No, those, I understand. Those that were uh, uh, there was 14 kids that attacked my son. Only three were charged. Two of them were 19 years old, and they gave uh, evidence against the 16 uh, year olds. Uh, so only young offenders were, were charged. Uh, it took four years to get them to court. And after that four years, they were sentenced to one year in closed custody, which is a, a youth facility. I call it the Holiday Inn for disenfranchised youth. They appealed that sentence, and the appeal court reduced it to five months. Uh, were there, were they, and I don't mean to focus on your case here, but were they any way remorseful, uh, any contact with these people since? <laughs> No, absolutely none. Not so much as a phone call, uh, an email, a letter, nothing. And uh, we have been very vocal across this country trying to create rights for victims of violent crime because, again, as I, at the risk of being repetitive, there are none. What the foundation did was, and this was just my wife and I, we've raised over $800,000 and have provided scholarships to siblings of homicide victims mm. They are the forgotten children and survivors of extreme violence. We also provide free psychological counseling at York University for victims of violent crime that need this service in York Region. 
my foundation has no salaries, no director's fees, and every nickel that we collected went into supporting victims of violence. I'm also the author of the Canadian Victim Bill of Rights and was uh, instrumental in changing 13 criminal law measures in Canada, including minimum sentences for gun crimes, minimum sentences for pedophiles who, who uh, sexually assault children under the age of 14. What are your thoughts in regard to the Neville Lake family and what they've gone through and uh, Marco Muzo's sentence? What, well, the, a competent court has sentenced him to 10 years of closed custody. That's what I would like to see, and that's what I think Canadians expect to see. They don't expect to see him out enjoying his life in five years. They expect him to serve the balance of his sentence. Um, what he does inside the prison walls, and let's, it's not a prison anymore, what he does inside Corrections Canada uh, is, is really of no consequence. I don't care whether he watches TV or plays billiard or bocce ball or has barbecues. It doesn't make any difference. The most important factor here is that he serves his sentence to the full and his liberty is restrained. One of the things that people don't realize is that the Neville Lake family, as any other victim of violent crime, they are the ones serving the life sentence. They will never get a chance at rehabilitation. They will never have the opportunity for psychological counseling that the Marco Musos of the world and other violent criminals will have. Their liberty has been restricted because they wake up every single morning without their child. And I know that they have nightmares, hmm. just like we have nightmares, and all other victims have nightmares. Their lives are inexorably altered. And yet we, as a society, seem to fold our hands and wring our hands and say, we've got to do something for these poor criminals, because it must be something in their background that has made them do this. The reality is they made us conscious choice to do what they did. Hmm. The victims had no say in their victimization. It was forced upon them. And that's why we, as, as, as Canadians, must provide greater support, proper counseling, and support for those that are survivors. Your concern with this case is, um, and you know, many say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but what you want here is just people to do their complete sentence. Well, it's not only, it's, it's twofold, and please don't read into what I'm saying as an eye for an eye, uh, Justice. It, it, nothing will ever return the Neville Lake family back to what they were before this crime. Nothing. Nothing in this world. What we do want and what we do expect, what I expect, and what I want to see, and I've been fighting for close to 20 years now to try and create rights for victims of crime that are at least equal to the rights of those that have been convicted of that crime. We have in Canada a correctional investigator, Howard Sapers, and this man has all the authority in the world to, to provide support, to su provide funding and uh, counseling, etc., for and fight for the rights of those who are convicted of crimes. There is no equivalent individual in this country for the victims. We have to create an appropriate body which has the authority to lobby for and get and secure support for victims of crime. Families are destroyed. Futures are destroyed. I believe this country loses so much when we do not support those who have been victimized by violent crime. 
I can't even imagine uh, what you uh, or those that are suffering have gone through. Um, are people, do you feel, getting the message? No, no, they aren't. And, you know, I, I guess it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It, in, in one way, it's good, because if you really felt the way those people felt, the Neville Lake family, my family, and so many others, you would be terrified to go out on the street because you'd recognize that there was nobody there to help you when you need it. Uh, so the other side of the sword is, of course, you don't think about it, and then we just go on with our daily lives and live with our family and hope live a happy, satisfied existence. But the realities are we have to start thinking about these families. We have to be concerned about these families because, as both my wife and I have said so often, whenever we're talked about these issues, as that it can happen to anyone, anywhere, mm. anytime. And if the resources aren't there to help you, your life just literally dissolves. Do you think Musa will get parole? I hope he doesn't get parole. That is my hope. Uh, my understanding is during his first application, and I'm just reiterating what I've read in the paper, I don't know this for a fact, but what I have heard is that he did not show remorse during his first parole application. Maybe his lawyers have counseled him to show or at least feign remorse during his next parole application. If he does, then the parole board may grant him that wish. If there's enough people that sign a petition, maybe they won't uh, allow him parole. But I think a huge message has to be sent uh, to anybody who gets in a car while they're drunk to the point where they do not understand what they are doing, they have to send a very clear message that the consequences are going to be severe. Mm. We want to minimize this kind of crime, and we want to, while I'd love to minimize all kinds of crime, but of course, that's just on my wish list. We know it'll never happen. We know it's going to happen again and again and again, and the only thing that we can do is to satisfy uh, not our search for vengeance or revenge, because that's not the issue. What we have to do is ensure that those that have committed these kinds of crimes spend their entire custodial sentence behind bars uh, as the judge ordered. Joe Wambach has been with us, chairperson of the Canadian Crime Victim Foundation, Marco Muzo, uh, in 2015, uh, behind bars for the killing of the three Neville Lake children and a grandparent, and is hoping for parole second time out. Joe, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for taking the time, and thank you for all the work you're doing. I appreciate it. Good Thanks luck. for the opportunity. Thank you, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.